There is a huge portion of our population who are in jail, been in jail, or are going into jail. In fact, I'm going to give you a stat that's going to be shocking to you, because it was to me when I heard it. That is, one in three individuals in our community have served time. So the question is, how can we love them? And how can we redirect them in in their path that they're on? The person that's going to answer all these questions is, trust me, it's not me. His name is Tommy Murray, and he's with Prison Fellowship, and he is with us on the next Jewel Show podcast. Tommy, that stat, one in three. Yeah. We're, you know, we're commanded to love thy neighbor, and thy neighbor, you know, may be someone who has been in prison. And um, they return. Like, there's a large percentage of folks who do serve time. They're going to come out, right? If one Mm -hmm. in three have been in, that means... Somebody uh, sitting in the room with you, sitting on the pew with you, uh, in an elevator with you, working on your job might have been in prison. And, and you know, our goal is to bring restoration to those people and, and bring them back into, into life to be productive into society. And you're with Prison Fellowship. All right. Tell me about the mission of Prison Fellowship. We seek to restore those affected by crime and incarceration. And that means that, you know, we want people who have served their time to paid their price to be able to be fully restored back into uh, their families, into their jobs or a job opportunity and into society at large. All right. So educate me, Tommy, on this in that prison fellowship. Are you all in every prison in Georgia or I mean, how does that work? So we work with state departments of corrections primarily. And we partner with those to try to get our programs into prisons. Um, And so we're not everywhere yet. We go where we are allowed to go and where we have partnerships and where there's funding to put. uh, We're we're pushing uh, academies uh, where we we have a, a set curriculum for transformation. And so we really just go where those opportunities lead us. But yes, we do have a presence all over the country. Okay. Let me ask you this then. You say you go where um, you're asked to go. Who, who does the asking? How, how does that work? Well, it's both ways, I guess. Chuck Colson, our founder, he went to governors and was like, hey, let me bring this program to, your, to some prisoners, you know. And at first, at the very, very first, they were to travel to us rather than us going to them. And the governor's like, that's not going to work, right? So, but finally he found a governor to let him work with his prisoners. And it was George uh, W. Bush in in Texas. And so we started an academy down there in Texas. And then, you know, as a reputation grows, things like that, we've been, we're not always asking, we're having some, they're asking us, please come do what you did there here. Mm -hmm. All right. Now you touch on something and that is a name that to some of our younger listeners are like, who did he just talk about? Or you know what? You might've heard Chuck Colson because, um, have you seen the eighties, um, documentary on Netflix? Oh, those are great. Okay. So if you missed it, um, they, they touched on Nixon and Watergate, but do a little bit of a history kind of touch on that for everybody. Chuck Colson was uh, called by many the hatchet man for President Nixon, and he was an attorney in the White House and uh, a real tough, tough guy. And he um, did not believe in God, you know, staunchly uh, humanistic atheist. And um, I mean, he was a hatchet man. I mean, I mean, right. The, the name Those, says the, it. Yeah, Christian, uh, hatchet, they don't necessarily <laughs> go together. So I mean, no one's ever calls me, called me a, a hatchet woman. But <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so he worked in the White House through the Watergate time. And the story goes that he would have been, he would have been able to get away with any involvement, but then he came to Christ. The CEO of the Raytheon Corporation uh, was a friend of his 
and led him to Christ. And, and he didn't, you know, he didn't want to believe he didn't, uh, he wasn't really open to it, but one day he just had this, this moment, kind of a Paul, the light that changed Paul, it's all to Paul, right? That he, uh, just sat in his car and just wept that he encountered the risen Christ and, and was changed. And so then he made it his mission to, uh, to spread that, right? Like, so, like, well, like go, go back, do. I don't think I, t- I don't think I realized that. So he accepted Christ and that's why he, then he pled yeah, guilty. Then he pled guilty. Interesting. Okay. For some reason, I thought he was in jail when he became the Lord, but it wasn't, it was before. And that's why he owned up being, to what he did. Being in prison really put it on his heart that prisoners were a population that he needed to reach out to. So how did you get it exactly get involved with the ministry? Yeah, I, um, I am an instructional designer. I started in online learning, e-learning, and I just, uh, I worked with, uh, a man, uh, did some work for a man and his company and he was a Christian and I was a Christian and off and on for 17 years, we've kind of kept touch. And, you know, it was one of those people that said, okay, if I get a chance, I'm going to work with that person again. And it just so happened that his path led him to work in this nonprofit. And I was applying for a job, wanted a reference. And he goes, wait, you want a reference? Why don't you get a job and come work for me on my team in this ministry? And I was like, yeah, not, you know, a ministry, I'm in financial services. I need to get paid or whatever. You know, I had yeah. that, those, those, my priorities were elsewhere. I was like, this isn't going to work. But then as we talked, it works. And, uh, I had this opportunity. So I didn't have family members incarcerated. I didn't have a close connection to prison. I was a, you know, lock them up, throw away the key. They deserve to be there and, and they're less than human. You know, that kind of, when we're removed that, that otherness that we think about when we, when we don't have to encounter a person. And so I was just like, just like a lot of conservatives, you know? And so, um, so when someone said, okay, do prison fellowship, you're like, uh, do you know my resume? Right. It wasn't, it wasn't a fit until we looked at, okay, here's the job. You know, we're, we're doing instructional design. We're doing curriculum. We're, um, equipping people to, to do things, to do jobs or to change their being, uh, you know, their behaviors and their thinking. And I was like, okay, it's the same job. We can just change the context. It's the same job. But then I actually get to do something that is ministering, that it has purpose. It's not just about me. It's about others. And it was just a good time in my life that I needed to make that change. And that's awesome, Tommy, because if you look at it from the outside, you're thinking, how do you get into something like that? But then when you really go, the guy was preparing you for this ministry. That's what I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that God puts us through different seasons and different experiences that make us who he's trying to make us to be. And when you look back, it is impossible to not see his hand on that path. And when you tell people that you're involved with a prison ministry, what is their response? <laughs> a lot of times it's, oh, that's, you know, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, but there's, it depends, you know, some people are closer to it than others. And they're like, they, they see that, okay, there's really a need there. And they see what we're trying to do because what we're trying to do, we're trying to break a cycle. We want to stop the cycle of crime, uh, that all the factors that lead people into prison, that passes down to the next generation and the next generation. And so we gotta, we got to break that cycle. Uh, Chuck Colson used to say that crime is a family business. And so uh, today's prisoners, today's criminals are tomorrow's. You see in, in their kids and their family, that's the next. And it's, it's the environment they grow up in. So we want to break that. And some people really kind of get that and say, okay, you can make a change. These people can come back and be productive again. Um, whereas you get some people who are like, huh, are they, are they worth that? Really? Are they worth, they worth ministering to? What's the point? They're in prison. They're um, doing their time. They deserve yeah, it. Yeah. They're not thinking about 
this large percentage of folks, they're coming back, they're gonna be your neighbor. So what do you tell people when uh, the response is, well, they deserve it, they're where they should be, throw out the keys and let's just be a dumb with them? I could tell them stories of friends of mine. I could tell them about lives transformed by the power of Christ. I can ask them questions about, tell me about yourself, right? And your testimony. If they're a Christian, we can talk about their life before and their life after. We all, God is a God of second chances. And being a Christian is about reconciliation. Restoration is about bringing people back into a community, into a right relationship. And so I try to you know, depending on the audience, we got to talk on that level with the audience. But that's that's really where I go. I want to I want people to see that there is an inherent dignity and a value to all life. And we need to look at those people inside. I don't say inmates. I learn. I say men and women who are incarcerated because we've got to humanize the other. We've got to make them not other. And that it's us. Yes. And that there are I mean, because you said Chuck Colson uh, was a believer when he went behind bars. So there are believers who've messed up. That's exactly right. And who are serving. And so they need to be discipled. They need to, to be reminded of who they are and that God forgives them. And that they have value because of whose they are, right? And that sometimes what puts a man or a woman in prison, um, you know, we say sometimes that, you know, but for the grace of God, go I. And yes, we could make a mistake. Anybody could make a mistake. But there's, because of that cycle that I talked about before, that Crime is a family business. There are thinking errors that we aim to address. The, the, the fancy word for it that we worked with our subject matter experts on is, is criminogenic risk factors. And so That's a big tr- word, Tommy. Go back again. <laughs> yeah. Those criminogenic risk factors, those, those thinking errors that, that puts a person in a place where they're, in short, me-centric and not thinking about others. There's no empathy there. There's, there's no th- thought about consequences. It's just the self-centeredness and, and not an other focus. All right, so how do you reach their hearts then? Well, the Holy Spirit has to do that. <laughs> good, that's a good church answer. I appreciate I know, right? that. Good, good job, good no, job. That, yeah, so um, we have programming that we offer through what I mentioned earlier, the Academy program. So we our, our big goal, our big, hairy, audacious goal, that we would have a men's and a women's academy in all 50 states, uh, at least one, in another seven-ish years. And so that means we would put a staff person in a prison to run an academy, run a program where there's an intensive, they live in community, they, might, they may get moved to you know, a housing unit that's all together. We force them to live in community and practice being in a community because we want to make good citizens, not just good inmates. So we, we, life skills, thinking about reentry, thinking about those thinking errors, because as a man thinks, so he does, that sort of thing. All right, in, in an academy, break that down for me. What does that look like? It looks like it looks like life skills. Uh, it looks like um, some things about thinking about how do we think about the values that make a good citizen, not a good inmate. Because I've been in a prison and I've heard scripture quoted at me that I was ashamed of myself that I couldn't keep up. Right? There's nothing but time in a Bible, perhaps, in, with, with some of these folks, and they, they can memorize. They can be the best Sunday school class ever. But we're looking for true transformation that is about the whole person. And so we're looking at trying to change the way they think, change the way they act, understand that they are a neighbor. Because even inside, you're a part of a community, especially when we put them in this intensive experience where there's day classes taught by a staff person, night classes taught by a volunteer. And so it's just a full curriculum that tries to address the whole man or whole woman. And discipling them. Yes. I mean, that is, we, we talk about spiritual formation uh, because... 
our programming in the academy is for believers already, but also just anyone of a different faith or no faith at all. We want to be inclusive of anyone. We tell them up front. We say we might we're going to use the Bible. This is our example. This is our foundation when we're talking about an example of good citizenship or good values. Uh, but but we want to be open and inviting to to anyone to come. All right. So you all have the the academy, and that's for the people. Um, in jail, and then the warden's program. So tell us how they work together. Yeah, so that's uh, that working in our academies, working from the bottom up. We're trying to change the culture of, well, we're trying to change our culture, right? But start, let's start with our, our specialty, change the culture of prison. So from the bottom up, we're working directly with those men and women. But then on the other side, working top down, we work with wardens. We, we've got uh, what we call our Wardens Exchange Program, and that is, it's like a grad school for the top leadership of a prison, and we bring them in three times a year, no cost to them at all, and then during the intervening time, uh, there are weekly online sessions, and we bring in business leader experts, and we're talking about things like uh, transformational leadership, delegation of tasks, humanizing those in, in prison, things like that, and it's, it's an intense experience. Because the Wardens, they are the leaders. They're the mayor of the town. They're the, the governor. They're, they're the, the boss. Yes, the buck ends with, with, the, with the warden. So if you can reach them and you can love them and meet the needs, because I'm sure they have deep needs. I mean, some of it, depending on the background, um, you know, they, they may have a more uh, rigid, you know, thinking, structured thinking. And so um, more like a military style. Uh, come in, if you come from a justice background, you might have that kind of a background and that way of thinking. We're trying to just kind of open, broaden that perspective uh, about humanizing both the staff and those that they're serving, um, leadership skills, things like that. All right, let's go back a couple of minutes ago when we talked about the stats that was just shocking. And I just feel like probably listeners there too are, uh, are trying to digest that one in three um, people have been incarcerated in our community, and 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 you you think about that, and, and, but you've got to really ground that. That's talking about people at the grocery store. So you run across three people at your grocery store. One of them, statistically, mm-hmm. it have um, have been incarcerated. So how can the Christian community then love and serve? That's a great question. There are many ways. There are many opportunities for that in the community. We have a program called the Angel Tree Program. Are you familiar with the Angel Tree Program? We give uh, gifts uh, that are by a volunteer, you know, church volunteers, and they are given on behalf of a mom and dad that is in prison. And so that is reaching that next generation, as I talked about before, but that's an outreach. That's a, the, that's a ministry of the church. We fuel that. We get the signups going. We, we, fund that to make it run. But that is a ministry of the church because we want to make the church the church and do the church, reach out to the widows and orphans and, and, and take care of the community. So that's one way. There's another program related to those angel tree children where we send them to camp um, free of charge. Also trying to not just the motto of, uh, or the tagline for the angel tree program is it starts with a gift. And so what we mean that there's a relationship, there's a ministry locally that starts with a gift at Christmas time, but we expand that to a year round relationship with a family through things like camp and sports camps and other opportunities like that. But also we have a Sunday school curriculum, one uh, for our uh, advocacy and just also helping people understand is called outrageous justice. And uh, that is a, 
that is a conversation aimed at starting better conversations about incarceration, about the criminal justice system, um, and how the church can get involved and how they can reach out. It sounds like to me that being involved with a prison ministry and being involved with prison fellowship doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go behind on bars and, and talk to a group of people who are strangers that might be extremely out of your comfort zone. That's, that's a great point. I mean, that, there are so many ways that a volunteer could get involved that if it's just coordinating gift giving for the Angel Tree program or it's letter writing or working with your local congressman uh, or, you know, writing, trying to help influence with the legislatures going on uh, because there are laws that create a second prison for people when they get out of prison. And so how can we influence that at the local grassroots level? Um, but teaching... Teaching in prison, that's the first thing, like you said, that's the first thing that people think about. Um, but like you said also, that may not be a person's gift. We want you to get involved. There are so many ways that you can support the work that God is doing in prison and in the community that, yeah, it may, you, we'll just find your gift and plug it in. Right, right. But there's, a, there's something that everybody can do, so big or small. It seems so, yes. All right, Tommy, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. So you ready for this? Hope so. I, I know, I know that there is going to be hard for you to pick just one, but tell me that one story of um, of a person that you know that you saw God got a hold of them. Sure. Uh, so it's a hard one because I'm sure there's many, many, many. There are so many, but this one's this one's easy because I I love this guy. So this is Daryl. Uh, Daryl is a person who, and we've got a video on our YouTube channel. Uh, Prison Fellowship has a YouTube channel. Go see it. There's this series called The Insider. Uh, there's there's a, a few different series there that we've done that that talk about lives transformed. So this was just a taste of one of those stories. Daryl, he was uh, out on the streets. At one point, he told his mom, "Stop coming after me. Let me die out on these streets. I'm comfortable here. I'm not wow. comfortable at home. This is my life. Leave me alone." He got addicted to crack. He got arrested on drug charges. Served his time in uh, what happened to be our academy program in Texas, in near Houston. So uh, he got involved in that academy, and we can shortcut to the end of the story. He is now the director of the academy program for Texas. For, for wow, Houston. the director. Yes. So from a drug addict, prisoner, to now the director and coordinator of our academy program for all of what's going on in Texas. Wow. And his name is Daryl. His name is Daryl. Oh, that is amazing. That's amazing. When somebody gets um, released, what is life often like for them? Well, I mentioned earlier the term the second prison. And there are, there are laws, there are fines, there are just barriers that are in the way to being fully restored. And so what our, our, our curriculum, Outrageous Justice, aims to do is help educate the church about that, as I mentioned. But... It's difficult. You have this scarlet letter that you are uh, someone who just got released from prison and so that you have to check the box. Have I ever been in prison? So we've worked to try to get that removed in many states where that is not part of the application process. Um, but there, the, the opportunities, we're trying to grow the opportunities. We're trying to build a network of people that are ready to reach a hand and, and give a second chance. We partner with Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery uh, runs groups within our academies. So if you're familiar with that, it's a 12-step program that's faith-based, Christian faith-based. And so that is a bridge that if they can find or be a part of a local chapter of Celebrate Recovery, that's a good bridge to being a part of a community because being a productive part of a community 
is a key being connected to something. So you don't fall back into those old patterns of me centered and nobody cares about me and I'm not valued. And that this is my lot in life. That's it. Yeah. You know what I, I love, Tommy, is to hear your your story is that you have no personal connection um, with anybody who's ever been incarcerated before working with Prison Fellowship. But that didn't stop you to answer God's call in your life. Because I think so oftentimes, you know, we, we can't re- we think, well, we can't relate to somebody. That's not me. That's not my story. I don't know anybody. Um, so therefore, maybe you kind of shut that off when you feel like God's calling you to do something and to love those people. I I have found that God loves to call the unqualified. That's kind of his specialty, I feel like, because uh, we're my D group at church, we're going back through the beginning of the Bible and going all the way through uh, in, a, in a study together. And we just see it again and again and again. Oh, I can't speak. Well, you're going to, uh, or I'm weak. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're going to lead. Uh, you know, it just over and over and over. And he does that because otherwise we could take the glory. And so... He will be glorified and calling the unqualified and equipping them uh, is, is what he loves to do. And so I'm just happy to be a part of that because uh, I was clearly not qualified to relate on the level that I now have a better understanding about uh, working with men and women who are in prison or have been in prison or, and those who are going to serve them. And Tommy, I think about the the scripture in Psalms where it talks about um, that some put their faith in chariots and horses, but I put my faith in the Lord my God. And that's the same thing. That's your story because you could have easily said, um, well, my faith's in the chariots and the horses, which I don't think you probably have a chariot or horse, but follow (laughs) me on this. But but you didn't. You put your faith in God and said, okay, I don't know how to relate, but I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you will equip me. And it sounds so easy when you say it like that, but but yes, many struggles of me saying, no, I really like this chariot. I really think that this would be a nice horse to add to my stables. And so there's just a lot of wrestling yeah. with God through that transition. But thank the Lord that now uh, I have made that kind of trade, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And that, that you have the joy of being able to tell uh, these men and women that this this crime, where you are in your life, does not define the rest of your future. Yeah, let's not let the worst day of your life, the worst decision you've ever made, because think about it, the, there, there may have been premeditated, may not have been premeditated, but it's a moment, a moment put you into that uh, prison, perhaps, you know, for the, potentially the rest of your life. And so, uh, yeah, let's not let that define you. Jesus doesn't think of you that way. Mm. And let's not let the church and society think of you that way, that you have to carry that badge around forever that no, there's, there's a lot more to that person. There's a lot more to a Daryl, you know, than, than just that drug charge or whatever, put him behind bars in the first place. That's right. And it doesn't matter what your daddy did or your daddy's daddy did or your mama's mama. You, you're stepping in and you're changing, not just the uh, man and woman that's behind bars, but, but next generation. Absolutely. Like, let's not let, like you said, your daddy's story is not your story. Behold, I am doing a new thing, right? I'm taking that scripture out of context, but God just, he does that time and time again, that I am making you a new creation in me. And we can take hope in that and rest in that, that our identity can be found somewhere else in, in God. And, and that's just powerful. And like, so if I have nothing else in this world, I have him. It's like, well, then I haven't lost anything. I have more than anything. And Christian community, um, you know, friends, we could be a part of this. And, you know, that's, that's what I love here, here to hear, Tommy, is that God did not um, lock us up and throw away the keys, you know? And so if, if he didn't do that for us, he didn't do it for me, then how much more than somebody else? And that what can we do 
um, to share Christ and love, love well. That's, that's really my plea as a part of this ministry is that, um, we think about ourselves, right? Think about how many chances have you had as an individual? How many times did you think, well, that's it. I've messed up. And, and, and you are now maybe in a place and hopefully in a place where, where you are in a more positive and and productive environment. Uh, We just want that same experience and that same opportunity for prisoners. So you can get involved with the work that God is doing in, uh, through prison fellowship, uh, by volunteering or being a donor, partnering with us in some way. Those are clear buttons right at the top of our homepage, prisonfellowship.org, prisonfellowship.org. Did you just read my notes? Because that was going to be my next question is give me that website and how can we get more information? Um, so you just read it and just, uh, you know, fine. I, I, I would, I, they would, they would punish me for not <laughs> making that opportunity very okay. clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then let me just, um, let me just ask my question that I was going to leave you with. Do you have a website? And if so, can you give it to the listeners? Yeah. So on that website, <laughs> prisonfellowship.org, I, like I said, you can, you can donate there. You can sign up to volunteer there. You can just learn more about all the many things that we haven't had time to dig into today. What is this angel tree program that Tommy mentioned? The Warden Exchange program. What is that? Um, oh, you have a podcast also, Reimagining Prison Podcast. That's available there. Uh, there are so many opportunities and things. There are resources for people who um, have either been released from prison or have a family member in prison and they don't know what is happening and, and what might happen next. There are resources there for families. So uh, a, a treasure trove of things can be found at prisonfellowship.org. Hey, Tommy Murray with Fe- uh, Prison Fellowship. Tommy, thanks for coming in. And uh really challenging us to stop looking at um, those who men and women who are behind bars as, as numbers, you know, or uh, people that we should just cast aside, but to challenge us to look at them like God looks at us. Well, the honor and privilege are all mine. I really appreciate this platform to be able to tell others about the work God is doing and that I am so happy to be a part of it. and, And you could be a part of it too.